I'm Tiana Jay, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. And I'm Lachlan, here to ask some interesting questions. Welcome, Welcome to, to Changemaker, Changemaker Q&A. With the rise of fake news, divisive politics, and growing insecurity created by social and economic inequality, we are often left with a media landscape dominated by dismal perspectives of the world. Young people need to learn about examples of positive change. Identifying potential solutions to global challenges is key to our public dialogue. As a solutions media podcast, we dive deep into current affairs and events, answer any questions you have about social change, and share stories and insights from young people and organisations active in the social change space. But before we begin, we would like to acknowledge and thank Australia's traditional owners and custodians for their continued care and protection of our land and waterways. We pay our respect to all elders past, present and emerging, and look to you for guidance as leaders of social justice. Now on to today's episode. This episode of Changemaker Q&A is brought to you by Changemaker Co. Changemaker Collective is a catalyst for young people to live out the motto, tell the world how much you care without saying anything. From iron-on patches for changemakers to upcycle their existing clothes into statement pieces, sustainably and ethically sourced gifts and clothing for changemakers, and community craftivism projects, there's something for everyone. Using a redistributive social enterprise business model, 100% of the profits from Changemaker Co. funds the impact work of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Just head to changemakercollective.net for more. Welcome back to Changemaker Q&A, everybody. Today's episode is a bit of a Q&A episode. I'm going to be answering a question that was asked over on Instagram. And this question was asked by Jay's Kicks and Hip Hop, who asked, what are the biggest hurdles in social change? And this is a really great question. And it, at first, I thought it was a really difficult question to answer because I think, well, obviously, there's really contextual barriers to a lot of different issues within social change. But when I think about what the biggest barriers are to social change kind of as a whole um, and as a process on like a macro level, I think that there are kind of three main interrelated uh, barriers to social change as a process. So the first of these is not understanding what social change actually is. I think for change makers, it can be really hard to effectively bring about social change when we don't actually understand what social change is or what social change isn't and the types of social change that exist. The next is not having a clear vision of the future that we're trying to create. A lot of the time we end up focusing on the problems that we're tackling and not focusing on the future that we want to see, which is a huge barrier. And then thirdly, I think that a lot of people don't really see themselves as change makers. We might not kind of identify with the typical archetype that we see, you know, really loud, aggressive activists or the people that kind of dominate the media landscape or public discourse about social change. And we don't recognize that we all kind of have a role as individuals to play in driving positive social change. And so I think if more young people especially understood the role that they can play in driving social change, then they'd probably feel a lot more equipped and empowered to do so. And then if that happened, we would obviously see change happening at an exponential rate. So I think these are kind of the three main biggest barriers or hurdles in the world of social change. So now I'm going to break down each of these three barriers in a little bit more detail. So the first one is not having a very clear understanding of what social change is and social change isn't. 
And I want to kind of go through a lot of these misconceptions that I see a lot. Uh, And these are certainly things that I think I wasn't aware of when I first started my journey as a change maker. When I first began my journey as a change maker and I kind of made it my mission to learn everything I could about social change, I was so focused on learning about how to change the world that I didn't focus enough on what social change actually is and what it really means to change the world. And I wish this was something that I'd realized sooner. Um, but it was a very kind of profound point in my journey as a change maker. And I talk a lot th- about this a lot in uh, the book, uh, The Change Maker in You, which is the book that I've written for the Humanitarian Change Makers Network. It breaks down our framework for social change and just talks about my personal story as a change maker. So if you are kind of interested in learning a little bit more about the different types of social change in detail, uh, I definitely recommend you grab a copy of the book. All profits go towards funding the impact work that we do at the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. So if you are interested, uh, just head to thechangemakerinyou.com. Uh, but the first of these kind of misconceptions about what social change is or isn't is that social change is the outcomes, not the actions of what we do. So I think when a lot of people think about social change and what it means to be a change maker, we think of things like activism, social entrepreneurship, being some kind of educator or service provider, being an advocate, all of these uh, kinds of positions or roles or things that we might do to create social change. But in reality, none of those things are social change. Social change isn't the actions that we do and the things that we do to make the world a better place. Social change is actually the ways in which the world becomes a better place from our actions. Now, this doesn't mean that actions don't matter. And I think that the means must always justify the ends. There's no point trying to create peace in a way that isn't peaceful. (laughs) There's no uh, point trying to create justice in a way that further promotes injustice. Like the means have to always justify the ends and the actions that we take obviously do matter, but the actions that we take aren't what social change actually is. Uh, And when we focus on the outcomes of social change and the actions that we're taking, not the ways that we are going to get there, this is super important because the strategies and the tools that we might need to use as change makers are going to have to change and adapt just as the problems and the issues that we're tackling change and adapt. But the outcomes and the changes that we're trying to bring about, those are always going to stay the same. Another misconception is that social change isn't political. Uh, I think people see social change as a very political thing, but it isn't inherently political in and of itself. But there are, of course, types of social change or ways of bringing about change that are political. Sometimes social change requires us to engage with or change political systems and processes. That's just the nature of social change. But this doesn't necessarily mean that social change is politically aligned. In fact, I think it's the opposite because we see people from all points of the political spectrum engaging in social change. We see them driving social change or resisting certain types of social change. Similarly to this, social change in and of itself isn't good or bad. Remember that when we talk about social change, we're talking about the outcomes, the changes that we actually see in the world. 
these aren't inherently good or bad. They only become good or bad when we have some kind of lens through which we analyze them or some kind of standard to which we hold them against. You could have one particular social change or instance of social change happening within a society that people from different sides of the political spectrum are going to view in radically different ways. Now, as change makers, the way we can kind of determine whether a type of change is good or bad is by measuring it through standards like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. If a particular type of change or the process in order to get that change violates people's human rights, then obviously we would consider that to be a bad type of change. Similarly, maybe if it's something that promotes some of the sustainable development goals, we would consider that to be a good type of social change. So there are all of these different ways in which we can measure and judge social change, but it's important to remember that change in and of itself is not inherently good or bad. Change is just change. Now, before moving on, I want to briefly touch on the different types of social change because I mentioned that obviously social change isn't the actions and the things that we're doing in the world. It's the outcomes of those things. Now, I'm sure you have heard uh, me talk about our framework for social change here at the Humanitarian Changemakers Network, pretty much at the center of everything we do uh, through all of our um, resources and workshops and events. It's all centered around this framework for social change. And what the framework does is it breaks social change into four really distinct and easy to understand categories. And these four ways are basically the four different types of social change that can be brought about in the world. And social change is kind of defined by two different factors. First of all, whether it is individual and collective change, which is change that affects individuals and collective people within communities. And then there's changes that are systemic, which are changes that affect the actual social institutions, the structures, the processes that make up our society. So they're the two types of change. And then it can also be informal change, which are changes that happen that are a little bit less tangible and maybe a bit harder to quantitatively measure. Uh, And then there are formal changes, which are the ones that are very clear to see. We can measure them very easily and they're probably a lot more tangible. So depending on whether it is informal or formal, or individual, collective, or systemic. Those are the different types of social change. And so our social change framework kind of illustrates this through a quadrant and breaks down what the different types of social change are. Now, I will make sure that there is a link in the episode description to take you to some really helpful resources to learn this framework for social change. Um, But just really quickly, the four types of social change There's informal individual and collective change, which is changes to people's knowledge of and commitment to an issue. So ultimately changes to our conscious capabilities. Then there are formal individual and collective changes, which are changes to the resources um, and the things that people need in order to live a fulfilling life. So these are resources like money, time, any kind of resource that people need, education, information, basic services uh, in order to thrive. Then there's formal systemic change, which is changes to kind of like the formal structures, uh, things like policy, legislation and law within a society. And then there is informal systemic change, which is changes to the kind of 
practices and cultural norms and things that affect the living conditions that people face through informal social institutions. So those are the four main types of social change. So like I said, social change isn't the actions that we take, it's the outcomes. And the outcomes of those things will fall into one of those four categories. I'm someone who loves learning, and I'm always looking for opportunities to grow my knowledge and skills. And that's why I swear by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community where you can explore thousands of classes in design, photography, business, and so much more. Since joining Skillshare, I've taken classes in things like watercolor art, design thinking, art journaling, storytelling through video, art activism, podcasting, and I even use Skillshare to learn Spanish. If you're new to Skillshare, you can get started with a free trial to get unlimited access to the entire catalogue with a premium membership. Just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash Skillshare for a free trial. And if you're already a Skillshare member, make sure to take our Social Change 101 class. The next big barrier to change, which I think is very much connected to people not having a very clear understanding of exactly what social change is, is not having a vision of the future. Now, as change makers, it's really easy for us to know what we are against. We're against oppression, we're against injustice, we're against discrimination, inequality, unsustainability, environmental destruction, war, whatever it might be. And when we're working to change different aspects of society, it's really easy to know what we're against because we are so acutely aware of the problems that exist and the problems that we're fighting and all of the different causes. And this is because our reality is centered around this in our work a lot of the time. But something that I think we don't often consider as much, which is arguably more important, is having a clear understanding of what we stand for what we're in service to, and the future that we want to create. Now, a big thing that we do here at the Humanitarian Changemakers Network is when we run workshops with young changemakers, particularly the ones that we've started running using the Lego Serious Play methodology, one of the key outputs of these workshops is for participants to be able to really clearly visualize the future that they're actually trying to create, particularly with organizations that are already active in the space. Individuals and organizations get so caught up on the problems that we're fighting and they don't spend enough time clearly visualizing the future that they want to create. One where all of the solutions to the problems that they're uh, facing have been found, the issues have been solved, so that they understand their role in driving this type of change. And this really isn't something that we do for fun. It's a way that people can kind of go about their work with real clarity, direction and focus. The thing with remaining too focused on what you're against and the problems that you're addressing is that you kind of miss out on opportunities to really embody and create the future that you're trying to bring about. And a lot of the time, individual issues can kind of seem too big or too small. But when we recognize that every action that we're taking, no matter how big or small it is, uh, to tackle any issue, no matter how big or small the issue might seem, we're becoming one step closer to that vision of the future that we are trying to create. So by focusing on the things that we're doing and the ways we're bringing about change and the problems that we're facing, rather than focusing on the future that we're trying to bring about, 
we kind of miss opportunities to find alternative ways of doing things. Um, we become kind of bl- very blinded by saying, this is the problem that I'm going to solve and this is how I'm going to do it. But when we say, well, this is the future that I'm trying to create, it kind of opens our attention to all of these other possibilities that might exist and alternative ways of bringing about that future. Finally, I think the third barrier to social change is people don't see themselves as change makers. Now, the title of my book that is The Change Maker in You, and this was very intentional because I wanted the book to help young people really see themselves as change makers and realize that being a change maker and making a difference in the world isn't something that is really far off, like a very foreign concept and something that isn't possible for everybody because it really is possible for everybody. Another thing that I talk about a lot, both in the book and just in my own work in general, is that change makers work in the social change space. Whether you're engaging in paid work or whether it's volunteer work, it doesn't matter. Work is, you know, doing things in a very intentional way to bring about a specific goal. And so when you think about work like that, it's very clear that what everybody is doing in the social change space is work. And I really love the distinction that Elizabeth Gilbert uses, uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And even though she made this distinction in respect to the types of works that the types of work that creatives might engage in, I still think it's really relevant to change makers as well. Now, you may have heard this distinction before, but basically she says that there are four types of work that we do. The first is hobbies. Hobbies are things that have really low stakes. We don't need to put a lot of effort or attention into it. And we kind of do it because it's something that we enjoy doing and something we do for fun. Then there are jobs. Jobs are the type of work that we obviously do in exchange for money. We offer our time or skills and services in exchange for money. Then there's a career, which generally encompasses kind of like a series of maybe jobs uh, in somewhat related fields. It's probably something that we're a little bit more passionate about than a job. And it's probably something that we had to kind of undertake either professional study for or gain experience or qualifications for. Then there is a vocation and a vocation is what Elizabeth Gilbert defines as like your calling and you kind of work to live out your calling through a series of, I guess, what you would call passion projects. Now, these are the different types of work that we engage in as change makers and I think it's really important to kind of recognize this because there are people who engage in the social change space and it is their hobby. And there are some people who engage in the social change space who have made a career out of it. And there are others who might work a job in the social change space, but they might not be particularly passionate about it. Or there are people who, uh, for them, what they do in the social change space is their calling and they have these passion projects um, and they're super duper passionate about it. And it's important to recognize that none of these are any more valuable or valid than the other. The work of somebody who is trying to change the world just as part of their hobby is no less valuable or valid than somebody who's doing it for their career or as their vocation. And when people begin to see that these are the different types of ways that they can engage in the social change space, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you commit your entire life to it begins to kind of break down the barriers of entry, I think, or the perceived barriers of entry to engaging in the social change space. I think another thing is that 
people don't recognize just how easy it can be to actually engage in the social change space. And when we think about the different types of things that individuals can do to bring about social change uh, in The Changemaker and You, I really talk about four main things that young people can do because the book and our framework for social change take a very individualistic and holistic approach to social change. It's really focused on the ways that individuals can bring about change, not necessarily uh, the ways that big organizations can create change. And so we talk about four things. There's conscious living, which is really about living in alignment with your values and your truth and taking action, aligned action in your everyday life in a way that aligns with this. You could engage in advocacy. Advocacy is all about educating people, raising awareness and calling for support for a particular issue. And hopefully as a result of that, it translates into increased resources like funding or increased uh, accessibility to services, increased information out there about a particular cause or solution or problem. Then there's activism, which is working in a very organized and strategic way to kind of create some kind of systemic change. It might be to change a policy or legislation or uh, kind of the way that things are done um, that shape business as usual. And then there's also uh, obviously supporting kind of bigger development projects and initiatives that you're able to work on as maybe a volunteer or somebody with a larger organization. So there are all of these really different ways of engaging in the social change space. And when people have a clearer understanding of the different types of change that people can bring about, then they begin to kind of have this increased awareness of the different ways that they can also work to bring these about. And so I think for a lot of the time, if maybe in your kind of like echo chamber on social media or whatever, the only way you kind of see people bringing about social change is because you see lots of uh, stories of protests and things like that and you think, well, I'm an introvert. There's no way that's for me. People don't realize that there are alternative ways of engaging in the space. So I'd say uh, particularly for young people, that's probably the third kind of biggest barrier for engaging in social change. And the reason that engaging in social change is so important is because if we don't have people engaging in social change and really trying to work intentionally and controlling the types of change that we bring about, then we end up either not seeing the results that we want to see or we end up letting other uh, kind of influences have more power than what we do as people and then we see the types of changes that we don't want to see happening in our society. So I might stop rambling there, but I really hope that answered the original question. Uh, the three types or three biggest barriers and hurdles in the world of social change, not understanding what social change is, not having a clear vision of the future that you're trying to create, and people not seeing themselves as change makers and agents of change. So thank you so much to the person who asked this question and also thank you so much for listening to this episode. As I mentioned before, I'll make sure I leave uh, resources to learn about our framework for social change in the episode show notes and also a link to grab our handbook, The Changemaker in You. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. 
The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform, so feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.